Welcome to Season 2 of One More Turn over at OneMoreTurn.net. Huh? Huh? I bet you didn't know that. I'm series creator, producer, promoter, and one of the voice actors on One More Turn, Daniel Dan Q. Quick, and I'm joined by Mackie, the voice of Riley. Yes, this is the alleged commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Alphashard, the voice of Carson. Make it so. <laughs> Dark Cloud, the performer for Max. Yes, this is Max speaking. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Lund, who was the replacement Max during the <laughs> season two recording, but our <laughs> voiceover artist. There you go. You're, the, you're an artist now, Jordan. Ooh, artistic. Also joined by Jennifer, who is the performer for Avery. I had to think about that for a second. Oh. Wow, I feel so important. <laughs> You're obviously the most valued member here. And uh, ECAT2468, or just ECAT, who was the assistant editor on season two. <laughs> the assistant editor doesn't remember the script. You know, Avery's having a little trouble remembering it, too, so don't feel bad. Uber Marklar, the voice of Caleb. All I remember is the heavy breathing. <laughs> and also joined by Anna Lee, who voiced Bella. Hello. Well, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Wait, wait, wait. Are we not good enough for hello? We only get hi? No, we got both. You got both. I think it's only fair that we start with the new people for season two, which is, of course, Jennifer and Ecat. I'll start with you, Jennifer. I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit to a season one question, which was, how did you become involved in One More Turn anyway? So I became involved because Dan roped me into this. <laughs> well, there's a, there's yeah. a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> yeah, but that's basically. <laughs> I did not literally do this, though. <laughs> you make, you make it <laughs> no, I'm over here to keep talking. <laughs> no. No, Dan actually approached me for this part, for the part of Avery, specifically because he uh, knew Jordan through a gaming podcast that the two of them had appeared on with Jonah Falcon and you know he had invited me to contribute on the fly a couple of times uh, about games that I had an interest in and I guess Dan liked my sense of humor or my voice Dan you'll have to tell me why you picked me but you know that was the how you know the nuts and bolts of it and you agreed because you liked what you saw in the script well I agreed because I liked what I saw and it was something that I'd never done with my voice before. I inherited my mother's singing voice, so I've performed in front of audiences before, and I make my living with my voice over the phone. God, that sounds bad. Yeah, we figured you meant something like that, but of course, knowing this group. <laughs> Next on a very special one more turn. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, but no, I liked what I saw, and I was interested to see more, and I thought that it would be interesting to perform in this fashion. To uh, you, Ecad, how did you become the assistant editor for season two? On a turn cast episode, Dan proposed his initial idea for One More Turn, and after some crazy guessing, he eventually revealed that he would be looking for voice actors. And this 
sounded like something that I would be interested in because I'd never done anything remotely like this before. So I was initially in the uh, group for season one, but due to varying reasons, I wasn't able to contribute. In season two, I was less tragedies going on in my real life, so I was able to contribute to the point where my name actually made it somewhere in there. So ECAT was one of the individuals who went through every one of the season two scripts and provided notes on those individual episodes as well as a summary. And although I didn't actually include it in the introduction, Jordan is also new for this season. And Jordan, your position actually came out of a backlash maybe is a strong word, but a strong urging for dumping text-to-speech in the promotion and voiceover from season one. So we decided to get an actual human, and you agreed to provide the voiceovers for, again, for all of the episodes and the including the credits. And so what made you decide to, in fact, do that? It sounded fun to do, and I've always been told I had a great face, voice, voice for radio. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it seemed to be something interesting to do. And, you know, I've got a nice microphone here. Why not put it to use? And you also helped us providing the voices for Max because uh, Dark Cloud was unable to join us. I was a temporary Max so that the other actors would have somebody to talk to instead of just dead space. First reactions when reading season two scripts, I think we should go to the person who voiced the character that had the most appearances in season one, which was 11. 11 out of the 13 episodes, this character appeared, and that would be Riley, voiced by Mackie. So, Mackie, first reactions, season two scripts. You put who with who? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. I'm, of course, referencing Riley being put with gear. I was like, oh, well, okay then. Part of the reason I'll just say that I did that is because I remember when we were recording the season one commentary and uh, Blower Fackle, who voices Gary, who unfortunately was unable to join us for this commentary, uh, he had made the comment that it seemed to be that Gary and Riley, in particular Gary, were outsiders, that they really didn't seem to be affiliated with anybody and they were trying to get into the group. And I had made the argument, and I think uh, you did as well, uh, Dark Cloud, that in fact there seemed to be some kind of connection there. We saw during season two when, in fact, it was Riley that approached Gary about going out on a date. And, of course, if you haven't listened to season two... uh, Why are you listening to the commentary first? Yes. Doing it wrong. And essentially said, regardless of whatever's going on, whoever we happen to be going after, it seems to be that Gary and Riley are on the same side. So I am not surprised that that was uh, Mackie's first reaction. And if Blower was here, I'm certain he would say the exact same thing. Another first yeah. reaction I had, though, is also when I was reading the, the lines that were supposed to be for Avery, he's like, Dan better find somebody good to pull this off because this could go over really bad. <laughs> I'm, it, it takes a certain balance of voice to do it right. Yeah. I'll just kind of open this up to everybody, even those who haven't had a chance to give a, a specific comment on their reaction to the season two scripts. Even though this is season two, and so for most of us, it's returning back to this environment, these characters, these stories. When you read the scripts, sometimes you still wonder, and this includes myself, how well is this going to go? How well is this going to sound? Because it's not just the words that are typed on the page, it's how it is said. And the timing and the volume and the pacing and the tone to try to get the message across because we don't have anything visual. There is no video. So got the voices for the characters, you've got the sound effects, and you've got the music. And then you've got your imagination to kind of fill in the rest. 
would that be a fair statement? So to both Uber and uh, Scott and DC, you saw the scripts, but part of your reaction was initially, this looks good on paper, or maybe this doesn't look good on paper, and I wonder what's going to happen when we record it. Yeah, I had some surprises reading the script, but uh, it was uh, it was interesting, yeah. Well, yeah, and the first time we read the script, the first draft at least, there was a lot of, this is a lot of stuff to try and put it into one season. And so that's why I wound up eventually workshopping with you to whittle it down to stuff that is what appeared in the actual show, because you had a lot of stuff you wanted to try and get through in season two, and for the most part, we got down to where it actually worked quite well. And the episodes were a lot longer, if I recall properly. I think, Dan, yeah. did you cut off two to three pages of every episode after between the first and the second versions? Between the first and the second drafts, I lopped off one page for each episode. So they went down from five pages to four. So essentially, 20% of the episodes were gone. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I remember suggesting that. <laughs> hey, you don't get to take complete credit here. Easy. <laughs> and s- sadly, there's no director's cut, so you won't actually Aww. get to hear any of that. No, that's true. <laughs> Still with you, DC, what else were your first reactions or any other first reactions from the scripts? I was really impressed that uh, Dan was able to uh, cut it down when the second version came and it was a lot stronger. Less is more sometimes. Oh, yes. Although this is sort of getting into the answer to one of the other questions you said to prepare here, but I thought the addition of Avery was a very good addition. I thought that she uh, sort of moved the story a lot, added a lot of intrigue, and was a very dynamic force. She was doing a lot of things, and if you had somebody who has played it the wrong way, it would be cheesy is not the right word. It's like even worse than that. It wouldn't be good, bad. It would be bad, bad. So you needed somebody who would... <laughs> it would shade over the stereotype. Yes. In a story, you always have this suspension of disbelief, and it would be very difficult to... <laughs> yeah, believe her if she did not have a, the right kind of performer. Yeah, I think what you want with Avery, if we're trying to make references here, is you want Betty Davis, not Joan Crawford. Hey, there we go. (laughs) So, kids, there were these older movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What movies are we talking about? Exactly. Don't worry about it. Go watch Mommy Dearest. Before my happened to Baby Jane had both of them. Yes. Joan Crawford had an unsettling tendency to chew the scenery in a not really good way. The only thing I'd add, really, is that my first thoughts after reading the script was, dang, my character got hosed. (laughs) 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 To which your response was something along the lines of, this is what happens when you don't suggest something to happen to your character in the commentary for the previous season. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't participate, therefore, screw you. (laughs) Well, no, I just didn't have a real thing that I wanted my character to do, and this was the result. And then you realized, I know what I didn't want to happen to my character now that it's actually happened. I had several reactions. Bella has an interesting role in season two, I think. And so at first I was like, okay, 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 wait, what? I think I was a little bit surprised, maybe, by Hudson and Bella's little... um, Just a continuation of their on-and-off-again relationship. Yeah. Although we were never privy to their previous... Thank God for that. that, That's extra. It was new revelations coming in about their relationship. And I think you get to see a little bit of a different side of Bella in season two. I think first season, she's very uh, one-dimensional witch, (laughs) which is fun. Okay, so you did mean she was a one-dimensional witch, which is. (laughs) There was was both in there, right? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think in season two, you get to see some of her vulnerability 
starting to kind of figure out what makes her tick, kind of. And that she's more than just, I don't know, manipulating jerk, I guess. But Disposable villain. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because with Avery character, she started voicing her the way I was voicing Bella, which made me have to change the way I was voicing. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, really? Oh. And because you couldn't have two women using that same voice tone it would start getting really really annoying i changed the way i voiced bella which ultimately changed how i interpret her character i think and i don't know if you'll notice that very much but i did notice <laughs> and so because avery shows up at the very end of season one right no no she walks in on um, hudson and bella yeah, oh yeah she's... she walks in on that's right that's right because there was an interesting moment of awkwardness <laughs> yeah horrific awkwardness <laughs> and so when I hear Avery speak, I think, oh. And so I had this little conflict in the back of my mind. I have to change something. It was interesting, though, for me. And I kind of liked it, that opportunity. I didn't notice you changing the way you approached Bella at all in terms of how you voiced it. I'm certain it changed how you thought <laughs> about Bella. Because to me, it was one of those situations where, and I know for myself, I've always heard the expression, no matter how good you are, there is someone better than you somewhere. And so for all of Bella being as big of a, and I'm going to use the stronger word here, <laughs> bitch, as she was in season one, it was kind of Avery coming in and Bella realizing, I'm not the only one that plays this game, but there's someone else that can play this game just as well and maybe even better than I can in terms of, and I'm going to go back to a word you used, manipulation. Yeah. For sure. Fun, though, because then I wasn't the only evil one in town anymore. It's kind of threw a, a wrench, I think, in, in Bella's plans, maybe. And she doesn't know quite how to deal with Avery. Let's see. What were my reactions when I first read the season two scripts? Man, well, I don't know. Where do I even begin? I should increase my salary. <laughs> myself zero point zero more cents. Look, I already gave myself a nine hundred percent pay raise. I know this is the scandal. I'm sorry. I, I need to come forward <laughs> with it. I can't. A thousand. Well, you yeah, know, pure CEO tactics from Dan here. You know, yeah. wow. No raises <laughs> for the employees, no. but raise for the CEO. We see how this works. Zero for zero. Carry the zero from Do, zero. Do we still get the internet cookies? Zero. I think we should just go ahead and unionize. None of us gotten paid, but Dan has. What is this? But there isn't enough for the cookies, but there are crumbs now. There's still crumbs. <laughs> so, I don't know. Our inherent cookie monster will be unhappy with that. Yep. And, and a thousand percent Mackie Mackie, I do have some standards. So, <laughs> some. you do? Some. For me, no, in seriousness, gaming affecting real life more than real life affecting gaming. I remember you specifically, Scott, saying that you wanted to see a little bit more of the court of public opinion versus the court of law, which was a big struggle in season one to have enough detail about the lawsuits here, there, and everywhere to make sense without being bogged down. And is, is this like a legal procedural drama? I mean, seriously, can we get something a little more accessible rather than so specific and not try to have to understand so many details? Yeah, that was my big thing. I didn't understand a lot of the legal stuff that was going on. Law and order, small town, Canada. <laughs> yes. so i'm like is this a legal drama or yeah no I, oh no it's an it's an illegal drama it's being banned from the internet no yeah. <laughs> hey that actually ought to up our ratings yeah there you go we're banned in four countries 
It would get us more tension for sure. I also saw like a completing a shift for Gary and Riley because they were so antagonistic towards uh, Caleb and Carson, and then they become a bit more of protagonists because now it's there's Bella still causing trouble and there's Hudson still causing trouble, and of course now there's Avery who comes in as a new antagonist and really quite frankly comes in and she doesn't really care about the existing relationships and the dynamics. She is going to go after whomever she's going to go after. Are you saying she came in? like a wrecking ball? I I could, but I did mention having some standards before. (laughs) I saw boring. That is one reference I (laughs) Let me state for the record that I don't mind being compared to Miley Cyrus, but I refuse to twerk. Just saying. (laughs) Oh, you say that now. So speaking of standards, <laughs> this podcast rated TV MA. Jeez, too young for this. And uh, just a couple more things on the first reactions. One is I wanted a more ensemble cast feel. So there's no one character that had more episode appearances than another, and a big part of that was to elevate Max and Nora from being minor secondary characters, where they made the story more interesting, but they really didn't push the plot, whereas now they're supporting secondary characters, and they are essential to the plot. I mean, Max helps Caleb and Carson improve their gameplay. Max urges Caleb and Carson to move past the Carla video with varying degrees of success. Nora enables Hudson to tell Caleb, Carson, and Gary about Avery's plans, and Nora even suggests Max represent one more turn solutions in the game against Acme Smith. Well, she voluntells Max, really, he's going to do it. <laughs> I like that, voluntells. <laughs> and of course, I think, of course, the biggest thing is that Pedro becomes a minor secondary character despite never saying a word still and not even making an appearance in the scene. I think that's pretty spectacular. Because <laughs> you got Oscar nominated for it. <laughs> yeah, we're all kind of bitter about that. Also, you managed to give Max this all-important role in the fewest number of episodes. Well, he was too busy gaming to talk. He can't multitask. We know Max cannot multitask. Remember, Nora's always on his case about being able to focus, so he finally takes some of that to heart. I mean, he even goes and closes early or opens late for crying out loud. Which season two episode is your favorite and why? Let's start with Emily. Oh, crap. Um... <laughs> I don't think that's an episode title. I remember the plot is an overall, and I'm trying to remember what episodes were which. Um, I think the one with the heavy breathing was my favorite simply because... Sorry, you just a surprise, pleasant surprise look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> because really? it was hilarious to record, frankly. That episode, like, I had to get in a very specific place to do that. Um... Dark, dark place. <laughs> <laughs> she's, never, she's never going to ever again. That was uh, episode 203, Say Now. <laughs> and, you were, and that's what you were thinking. Say Now, I have to get to my yeah. dark <laughs> anyway, no, I thought it was funny. And the one where Bella's yelling the entire episode, I like that too. You mean the one where she's yelling at Hudson and there's only Bella and Hudson? Mm, I thought that was funny. I remember telling everybody that they had to be quiet and shut up so I could focus because we had a peanut gallery going on during this <laughs> recording. I was like, shut it off! Because <laughs> no, I was just laughing the whole time. But those were just my favorite to record, I think. 
as far as content, I don't know if I can break it up into saying there's one that's contact I really like the most. I'm trying to think. Maybe somebody else has a better insight than I do. Seeing as how you mentioned the episode where it's only Bella and Hudson, that was my favorite episode. Oh, <laughs> it's because we like to hear ourselves. It's the only episode to date to only have two characters. So if the characters really don't have a lot to say, if the plot's not moving, then it's going to be really, really awful. I think this episode, we get an observation into Bella and Hudson's relationship, and the audience, as well as the cast, get an idea of, so this is their relationship like before, and you really see what worked and what didn't. Their arguing gets so intense, and they're so involved, they take the argument outside, in town, for other people to witness. I don't want people to be thinking, I wonder if someone else or someone else has overheard, saw, maybe they recorded some of the arguing. Ooh. But there's also another thing I like about episode 210, tying back to a reason why uh, Jordan is now part of One More Turn and why his position was created initially. I make a pot shot at text-to-speech because Hudson has the line, text-to-speech is the worst, which was generally the most disliked thing about season one from the cast was the extensive use of text to speech in the uh, episodes themselves so nobody liked the robot i believe his name is mike actually uh i am very very hurt (laughs) (laughs) all right so jordan since since you're hurting what was your favorite episode So here's the thing, my involvement with One More Turn is kind of being unique because I'm not a cast member and I wasn't really prepared to do a recording or anything like that because I thought I was just going to be the announcer. And at the time of the episode recording, it wasn't clear to me that I would be involved in any way, shape or form. <laughs> and then it was, surprise, Max can't make it. Can you fill in? Um yeah, sure. I, I, I can fill in. Um, so I had actually not read any of the scripts prior to actually doing the recording. My first time seeing any of the material was live as we were recording it. It all kind of blurs together as one great big long recording. I really can't differentiate episode from episode. Fair enough. So they were all your favorite. Okay, they were, great. They, it, was, it was a huge melange of wonderful material. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What about Uber? Probably 208. Loud and clear, just for the back and forth and the very end of the episode where the Riley Gary thing is revealed to the rest of the cast. And I just thought it was horrifically amusing and well done. Didn't you also like how Caleb and Carson and Gary just came into the episode, you know, mid-conversation, not really paying attention to what was going on, and we got the whole smelling breath for the alcohol and the cigarettes, and then I wonder what gambling smells like. This kind of rare moment where Gary seems to be getting along with... See, like, the Three Stooges show up. Yeah. Because that was also the episode where Hudson goes to Nora to say, like, look, we've got a problem with Avery. And then the three of them realize Nora and Hudson in the same room. What is going on here? Yeah, that was a close second for my favorite episode. But I couldn't get past episode 210 because Hudson had so many lines and I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but nobody cares about that. So go on to the next question. (laughs) <laughs> and that's when Caleb got his own spinoff so we didn't have to listen to him God, what was your favorite episode and why? I think I like the last episode with the reveal 
And I, I felt like that's one of the things I like about this season is there was a definite buildup with this whole multiplayer game, this match that was going to be played. And at the end, you have this just sudden, oh my gosh, the game is over. And even Hudson, who was all like hating the game, was actually watching and kind of into it and seeing what would happen and wanting to. He actually had a stake on the uh, outcome of the game. So was, yes, was, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was just satisfying, I think, it was to have that arc and then here's the end. And now you're left questioning how did the game end? Kind of sounds like it might have ended badly or not the way they wanted. And so that, now they're like, okay, now, you know, what now? I, I like. I think it was a little shade of hypocrisy on the part of Hudson because he's going on and on about Bella, yeah. which is, you know, the reason we split up before is because you're so into the game. And then here's Hudson putting up a real life stake based on a game that he does not even understand. He was actually, I think he was starting to get it too, uh, at that last, uh, episode. He's like, what are those units doing or something like that? I forget exactly what he said, but it sort of sounded like he was catching on to the game mechanics. Well, Hudson has a growing gambling problem. Yes. <laughs> I, I liked a lot of the back and forth between the various characters, the old Caleb and, uh, Carson and then Gary in there. And also the parts where they will say something that Max would say, like, oh, we've been spending too much time around Max lately. It's nice to see that they've had an effect on each other. DC, what's your favorite episode? Well, most of them have been spoken of, uh, but episode seven, I enjoyed Avery and Bella's dance, their verbal sparring. I was about to say. There was no physical dance. (laughs) Well, in one word, how would you describe this dance? If you had to give it a title in one word, what would that be? Uh, Tarantello, I don't know. Domesticism <laughs> <laughs> tango? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that's pretty good, but, that, but that's two words. <laughs> well, you could, put, you could put a hyphen in there. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> yes, yes. The other one, which I wrote a lot more about why I liked, was episode three. More because I haven't heard anything like that in any podcast, or even like a red versus blue, that felt that awkward. There was a lot of good <laughs> oh integration God. of music and sounds. And uh, Hudson's voice work with Bella was really good, or Bella's voice work with Hudson. And there was very fast repartee. I noted some mild discomfort at the uh, very unique kissing around (laughs) minute four and the crinkling paper. (laughs) The crinkling paper, I mean, that was a little concerning. It sort of set the image of what was going on there. I really am surprised no one at this point mentioned the leather. Well, that's what I was about to say. And the standout special effect was the zipper. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was... Which was just nine kinds of, okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that we're... was Bella. I'm, wow, I've forgotten about that. I think that may have been a function of just exactly how much I tried <laughs> to actually forget that. Look, everybody, that was the zipper of a jacket. Sure it was. Obviously. Come on. It was now. quite a singular episode. So episode three and seven were definitely the most unexpected. I didn't let my husband listen to that episode. (laughs) (laughs) What did you tell him? How how did you? Okay, let me phrase this a little differently. Did he listen to every episode but that one? No. Oh. He wouldn't listen to it because I was talking about the awkward breathing. He's like, I'm not listening to this season. I cannot (laughs) condone this behavior. It was really sort of funny unless he listened to it and he didn't tell me. Oh, okay. Maybe he was jealous. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I thought maybe he had listened to it because, you know, he hasn't talked to me in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know. He listened to season one. Okay. I don't think he listened to season two. He didn't say anything to me about it. I have a feeling he would have. But <laughs> I don't know. 
Ecat, favorite episode? Ooh, tricky one. I kind of liked 207 as well. I liked the arguing between Avery and Bella. <laughs> you wanted to see who was going to one-up in the argument because they're so good at it? Yes. <laughs> My two favorite evil characters of one more turn <laughs> going up against each other. Now, here's a very, very, very important question. Is that a capital E? Ooh. Unevil? Is it that? Is it that severe? Is it capital E or is it still lowercase e? I think it's still lowercase. All right, I got some work to do. I prefer italics, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, would you also like some air quotes around evil? <laughs> there's, there's another variation too from the old Tick animated show, the little brainy kid who is evil, evil. I'm evil. I think Avery takes herself a little more seriously than that. I'd have to disagree. Just <laughs> <laughs> Already, listen, fail. listen. You're not in character yet. Okay, we're go- we'll get there. <laughs> I'm just getting in a mindset to prepare myself. It sounds like it's not that far of a step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's it's just a trigger. Whenever you hear Jennifer's voice, you hear Avery. Right? That's what you're saying. <laughs> No, look, Jennifer, that means you did such a good job that you just can't. It's like you see a character on a television show once and you think, oh, I hate that person. And then you see them in another show and you just look at them and they're like, I hate you. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what role he plays. You hear Patrick Stewart, you go, Captain. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To wow. be fair, I don't think Jennifer and I have had any interaction before this. I, I don't no, that's think. That's true. And there's not going to be any interaction after because of this show <laughs> either, right? Is that... fairness, I'm only throwing shade because, well, because I can. Oh, God, maybe I have gotten a little bit more like Avery than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Now here's a question. Did Dan ask you to do this role or did you audition for this role? No, no, no. He roped me into this. See? There it is. He wrote the part for you. Wow. <laughs> I, just, well, I, I have to ask Dan, when you were, when you were writing oh, no. Avery, who did you have in mind? I'm just teasing you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, it's Dan, so there's only one woman on the internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say, when I was writing Avery... I was actually thinking about one of my own exes. So, Dan, are you saying that, that you like totally Taylor Swifted this character? <laughs> uh, yes, he sure did. This entire series See, is a Taylor now, Swift. Now, give me credit. This is a reference that all of our listeners should get. No, I, I, oh. I have the very strong impression that Dan was writing this in relation to his own real-life experiences. I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious. Okay, and, so basically, uh, we're just doing his psychodrama for him. <laughs> well, okay. you remember in Scrubs, when J.D. kept talking to himself? This is what that is for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Avery, even though no one knew until the start of Season 2, not myself, but Avery was actually mentioned in Season 1 when Caleb talked about being dumped. Yeah, he, yeah dumped in email. And that actually happened to me, which came up in the last commentary. So that was the springboard for Avery. Now, Avery is not action for action, word for word, thinking for thinking, that same X. But that's how she started. Gotcha. So all I had to think about was even not so much what actually happened with that X, but how I felt and how I feel now about that X. But don't worry, in, in a healthy, not in, a, in an obsessive voodoo doll kind of way. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, 
I think probably my favorite was, and I'll be a little bit um, self-referential, nay, narcissistic. Um, okay. <laughs> to admit okay, that I, I think, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I may be working through some of my own issues. I've been far too nice in my life for too long to too many people. So playing this part was an awful lot of fun to just be unabashedly awful and enjoy it. Rolling in and having that lovely tete-a-tete with Bella, it was a lot of fun. I actually pick 212 because my own lines is Riley. Most of the time she's Miss, you know, Miss Queen of Sarcasm and, and she's smart, but she's a little bit derpy. But in this episode, she gets really, really angry. Oh, like yeah. Story. I wanted to segue from what Mackie was just saying. I did notice that there was some incredulity from Hudson when certain lines were said to him and implications. And he was like, really? You think that? And it's like he didn't even feel that it was important enough to correct them. He's like, no, just let the idiot think that or whatever, you know, that 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 kind of attitude from him. So, yeah, I think it goes along with what Maggie was saying. Yeah, most of the time when I'm playing her, I'm just delivering funny lines or occasionally the what kind of things or derp, derp, derp. And then this one, it's not Yelly is that one episode with Bella and Hudson, but she's not happy. She is angry, angry. Right after Avery is talking about Hudson and Avery's going on, you think after you picked him up once because he resembled a cotton ball, you know better the next time or the next after that or – and then the sound effects. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the part I'm talking about. I thought so because I know that didn't come across in the script and that certainly wasn't the intention in the recording. But then when I was post-producing the episodes, I thought – I decided Riley was going to be one of these people that she's calm until she's not and she had to throw some stuff around. And part of the reason why I did that is because Carson's line about, okay, Riley, seriously, she's she's just observing. I felt just the lines themselves and also the way that you delivered it as well, Scott, made me think that Carson is taken aback by this and realizes that Riley is not herself. So if Carson, if you're direct and stern, you don't sound excited. You're just kind of like, this is matter of fact, Riley, you need to calm down, only Quite frankly, given the next line, I don't even think Riley even heard what Carson said. It was just background noise at that point because she really had to tell Avery what she thought of her. Riley seems to think that she's the only one that sees Avery for who she really is. Everyone else seems to be buying this. Oh, I'm sorry I was bad in the beginning, but I've learned my lesson. Please forgive me. Oh, okay. Riley's like, oh, hell no, sister. (laughs) (laughs) You would expect Riley to have an ally in Caleb in that case, but Caleb at that point is already so far into not giving a damn territory that doesn't actually mind Avery. No, in fact, starting to mind Riley. Yeah. And even Avery makes the comment that, well, a lot of time has passed. And I think Avery thinks it's more about, not so much that maybe Caleb has forgiven Avery, but Caleb is more concerned about how Riley is treating him, which of course leads to what happens at the very end of episode 213, which is... Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Carson grows a pair. Yeah. I like that, too. That was very good. Everybody got character growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Although, can Avery really have character growth? It was her first season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, she started out as, you know, random ex with nefarious plans and blossoms into, holy crap, evil overlord. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's growth. Yeah, that's true. least favorite episode and why i'll start on this one because i'm so full of so much hate or no Uh, (laughs) episode 209 say so and i still really like max and nora 
and as much as I like the conversation between the two of them, I don't think it moves the plot along as much as the other episodes do. So it's not that it's bad, it's just as compared to the other episodes, it's kind of, who slowed down? Why did we go from, you know, third or fourth gear down to second gear in the midst of everything else that's going on? Yeah, don't blame me for that segment. I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking yeah, for less lines. Whoever wrote that really should get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so DC, are you saying that was your least favorite episode too then? Well, you feel the need to disavow yourself of it completely. No, no, I actually don't know which was my least favorite episode, but I do know that all throughout. I was just thinking that Max was a lot more serious this season, and that was how you wanted to take him. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I know you're probably happy with the fewer Breaking the Fourth Wall references that Max had in oh, season yes. one. Yes, yes. But quite frankly, I think your default answer is always my least favorite episode. It's episode one, because I'm always telling Dan, episode one needs more work. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I mean, I just find it very important to be critical about, about episode one, because it's the first episode that people are going to listen to. And uh, if someone doesn't like episode one, they're not going to listen anymore. That's the reason why I give so many comments there. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan, it's uh, your show and you're running it, and uh, you've written a lot of hilarious things and a lot of great things. I'm just trying to be your Simon Cowell. <laughs> oh. Did I mention the standards I have? <laughs> yeah, Dan has higher standards than Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't worry. I enjoy it. I enjoy everything in general. So very happy. Say that's fair enough. All right. Least favorite episode. Oh, Mackie. I'm kind of in the same thing here where there's not anything that's just so bad, you know? So Mackie agrees in the episode 209. Thanks. So. <laughs> as much as I hate to expand Dan's ego, all of them are kind of good-ish. Um, good-ish. <laughs> ish. They're not trying. great. They're good-ish. This is not turncast, okay? That's not I'm true. trying to regulate my expansion of Dan's ego. Oh, that's okay. It's already about the size of the solar system, so don't worry. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say 205, simply because I don't like seeing people, like, tearing each other up over their insecurities. Caleb and Carson? Yeah, the Caleb and Carson argument that Gary keeps trying to get involved in. I also didn't really like how they kept us uh, sort of shunning Gary. Well, he is a lawyer. Well, there's that, and of course that's, you know, apparently enough reason to hate anybody, but... <laughs> Kind of a private conversation that Gary really doesn't have any involvement in and that, and that Gary is kind of shoehorning himself into and that obviously is irritating to some people. And I think also it was that Callum and Carson are like, look, we can insult ourselves exactly yeah. each other. We don't need you to help. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although it's also fair enough, I think, when Gary's like, mixed signals you two because they do keep talking to him. They could just ignore him and maybe he would stop talking outright. But he's getting a reaction and that's exactly what he wants. I'm telling you, three students. Of course. Yeah. Gary's one of the characters that I f have the most difficulty understanding. Well, that's okay, because Gary doesn't understand himself either. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a 54-year-old dad, you might be able to figure it out, but until then. Well, I've got a number of decades left, so... Yeah, you're good for that for a while. I actually do have a least favorite, which is weird, considering my former statement that, that <laughs> it was all recorded in one session and everything kind of blurs together. But the least favorite part of season two is the ending wasn't really satisfying. It was, you know, it kind of sets the stage for season three, which is fine, but nothing was really resolved at the end of season two. So that's my beef with season two is the, the very final episode. I wrote it that way to try to help the show get renewed. 
Oh, oh, exactly. I'm, I'm, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, because, you know I, the Danadia Network really had us on the chopping block after season one. <laughs> I understand the reasoning for it. It doesn't mean I have to like it. No, that's fair enough. Just cry. <laughs> I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot here and say that my least favorite episode was, I am apologize, that they did kind of blur together for me, too, during the recording. But having to slog through the game episode... <laughs> I have nothing against gaming. I'm married to a gamer. It's just that the turn-based strategy type stuff is not something that I do at all, and I'm not very familiar with it. And the more I try to get familiar with it, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm sure it's more fun when you're doing it than when you're watching it or reading about it. So I was just kind of, yawn. (laughs) I actually have to agree with her. My least favorite parts of the season were the gaming stuff. Because I just didn't feel it translated well. And it's probably just me, but I just, eh, it doesn't really seem to work for me. And I love playing the games, it's just, I'm not sure how exactly it works to an audio description thing. Yeah, I was real downer on it during the editing process, but when it was read, I actually thought it worked better than it was written. So I'll tell you that, at least, like, I got the sense of urgency with the way that Hudson was sort of expressing everything. So I think that it was pulled off about as well as it could be pulled off, that type of action. I think it was better than the lawyer talk. The contracts, it's just, I don't know, it kind of goes over my head, at least with the gaming. I had some idea of what they were talking about and some visualization and connectivity in my head when they were making references. So for me, the gaming was fine. I agree with Scott. Yeah, when I was listening to it, actually, the details weren't important. It was the inflection and the tone of everyone that sort of was what sold me on it. Sort of better than just seeing it sort of written. Because, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that was what you were going for, but it definitely seemed like it was a pivotal moment. It didn't matter exactly what was happening, just that things were happening. Yeah, I was going for less about the content of the game and more for the reaction of the characters playing the game because it was moving things outside of the game along and being a reflection of what had been building up, quite honestly, not just in Season 2, but in Season 1 as well, in terms of the gaming aspect, which had only been alluded to before in Season 1, and now we get something a bit more direct in Season 2. So if you're lost on the details, and or when you're reading the lines and you're not certain about what's happening, like you were saying, Jennifer, it's not really a, a type of game that you play and you don't play a lot of games anyway... Trying to pass those comments off as the character and be convincing when you're not really convinced yourself that you can visualize what's happening. And if you can't visualize what's happening in the game, then why would your character be talking about it or doing it? So that makes complete sense. Right, which is why I was glad that Avery was not really involved in that portion of it. Avery and Hudson have this common ground of being with gamers but not being gamers themselves. Yeah, I can see that. Avery is trying to show Hudson, you know... Bella, you're the same gamer as Caleb is. And so, Hudson, what I went through with Caleb, you're going through with Bella, and you really should do yourself a favor and not be with her. Whereas, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Bella implies, uh, I think Avery's interested in, in you, Hudson. Which, of course, Hudson's like, mm, I, don't, I don't see that at all. And Avery is like, no, 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 I'm not interested in Hudson in that way. <laughs> I think Avery is just interested in, I, I, I think I ship Avery with chaos. She just wants to disrupt the relationship because no one else can be happy. She just wants to see the world burn. Why so serious? <laughs> She's yeah, the she Joker. Does, she does seem that way in this season. Just wants everyone to suffer or be upset or not happy. You know, like you, you can't be happy. You have to upset because I'm upset. 
Anne and Lee, least favorite episode? Well, I both equally loved and equally hated episode 207 because, well, it was fun to record the argument between Bella and Avery. Personally, I hate cat fights. Personally, much more passive-aggressive. And so, like, I've always felt like you can be much more manipulative if you keep your real emotion kind of hidden and you kind of keep a solid, you know what I mean? So for Bella, I always think like, oh, you're showing your hand, you know, and so I kind of equally hated it and loved Seven just because of that. I'm like, why are you even arguing with her? You can't win, you know, like nobody's winning this argument. It's just, (laughs) you know. You don't like Bella yourself, but you like even less that Avery is causing her to, as you said, show her cards and play her hand, which is putting Bella in a weaker position. I think so. I don't know. Am I the only one you get like little affinity for the person that you're acting just because you're putting yourself kind of in their play? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't no, know. That's, no, that's, I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Yep. That's the kind of the way I see 207. It's like, oh man. And I think it also shows Bella's age. She's much younger than I am in real life. And so I think when I was her age, maybe I would have had less control over myself, maybe, and maybe acted that way. So now this takes us into characters. Who is your favorite character in season two and why? Um... I think I, I, I want to say Max because he's always hilarious. And I like that he's trying to, like you said earlier, help with Carson and Caleb. But it's just, he's always got something funny to say. And then I also like Brothers Dork. I know there's a little bias there. But, you know, um, <laughs> I, I like their um, firing back at each other. It uh, feels very sibling, rivalry like, feels like what Brothers would do kind of thing. So it feels real to me. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that banter. I think a good segue to that is that anyone else choose Max as their favorite character from season two? I abstained from voting since I got to record Max in the uh, original recording. But I thought a lot of aspects of Max's character were very fun. I liked the lasers bit and all of that. <laughs> it was a fun read. Oh, you mean where Max tells Nora that he's not in the mood to have her have anything singed off today? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I chose Max as my favorite character in, in season one. Uh, he has changed just a little bit. I still really like Max's character, though. I actually really liked that he broke the fourth wall. If Max is no longer your favorite character, or at least as far as current seasons for one more turn goes, then who was? Who is? Uh, I I don't I mm, I don't know if I have a favorite. I I just like how everybody interacts with each other. Okay, Jennifer. <sighs> yeah, I am hard pressed to pick a favorite i I think i'm gonna have much more to say about the next question (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well when we're talking about negatives there's often stronger emotions associated with that so that makes sense yes I, i think i will echo what jordan said i particularly like characters that are more aware of themselves as characters so you know i appreciate a certain amount of fourth wall breaking that's, I guess, my vote for Max. But I think instead of a favorite character, I like the interactions, you know, the way that all these characters kind of rub up against each other. Favorite character for season two, uh, Pedro. <laughs> really now? Because Pedro. Don't feel like... Vote for Pedro? It, well, that too. But if you're going to make me pick an actual character in season two, probably Avery. Yay! Do tell. Just well-acted, well-written, totally evil. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't really actually pose over Caleb much this season, so I don't care. <laughs> he just likes drama. Are you maybe perhaps drawing a line between, say, favorite and the one that you liked the most or the one that you find the most likable? Because I think sometimes people hear favorite and they think, oh, the character that you like the most. And I will say in preface, I did not choose the character that I liked the most. That's not my favorite. Well, I don't know. I, really, I would say like any of the characters is like, oh, that's a cool person and everything. But it's just the sort of favorite sort of as a whole character. I'd probably say Avery just because holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody came in and completely killed off everybody else's attempt to be evil, and... <laughs> Come on, let's just tie it back to what was already said, as well as the song references. She came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. That's what pretty much Avery did. She came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and she was all out of bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> the answer to that is actually the same character on both questions, because it's Avery. Uh-huh. It's a really interesting written character, but as, as she is in the book, I want to hate her. You know that? You know those characters, you love them and you hate them simultaneously? Look at that, Jennifer. I think you got your wish. Yeah, and that was what I was saying. I'd rather be the, how did I put it? Um, the character hate, that the, everybody you, hates to love. Yeah, that that you hate to love rather than the one that you love to hate. I didn't think she was that bad. I think she just kind of has her own agenda. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like Bella. Hey. <laughs> I like evil characters. Wait a minute, what about Avery then? She's evil. Eh, it's complicated. She's really well-voiced, in my opinion, very well-written. She has a few characteristics that speak really well to me. Like, she appears to... How to put this? Yeah, it's very difficult to explain without going into a little background about me, but I just like an evil character who seems less um, two-dimensional than a lot of the other characters, in my opinion, particularly in season one, but a little bit in this season as well. Like, I can figure out Bella's motives without too much struggle, which is something that I struggle with with a lot of the other characters. Oh, well, and if you're struggling understanding the motives of the other characters, then you're having to spend more time figuring them out, and that's frustrating, whereas Bella you get. Doesn't necessarily mean that yes. you like Bella, but you understand where she's coming from, well, and there's more that you understand than what is put into the script. Yeah, and I like her sort of feisty female sort of attitude. And, and again, you're totally screwing up you catch future dating life. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and... The poor kid. Yeah. yeah, and again, that voice. Oh. <laughs> I like both uh, Avery's and Bella's voices. Yes, they are good voices. Yes. They, they do the Black Widow women. thing quite well. <laughs> the yes. what? You <laughs> mean the character, of, I think. He's sort of I Black hope. Widow-esque of sort of, you know, <laughs> sultry voice, but at the same time, totally going to kill you if you do anything wrong. So, wow. Dad, did we just get compared to ScarJo? Yes. It, sure, why not? I think. Avery just uh, came in like a, a storm and moved the plot and was pretty hilarious in doing so. Last season, I said that my favorite character was Carson. And this season, it's the other half of the Brothers Dork. <laughs> so it's Caleb. <laughs> in case for anybody wondering, wait, the who now? In which case, you obviously haven't listened to the show. Caleb, I think, has grown up a lot in terms of what he says, what he does, why he does it. You know, he's there to protect Carson even against himself. For instance, when Carson was initially planning to gamble away One More Turn Solutions ownership for a multiplayer match that Caleb was going to initially be in, and gambling being one of Caleb's vices, to me that was just alarm bells going off in Caleb's head saying, I don't want my brother to become like me. Certainly not in that respect, so there's no way I'm going to enable that. And he effectively blocked that. But he also tried to help Carson in learning how to play the game because he was 
initially going to go after Bella because Bella was going to represent Acme Smith and Carson was going to represent One More Turn Solutions. And Caleb knew that Carson could need all of the help he could get and then some. He finally tells Riley that he's interested in more than just a physical relationship. He's not just saying it for the reaction of, oh, geez, Caleb, like that was inappropriate. That was juvenile. He's serious about it. And then when Riley does not even validate his feelings, he finally just says, okay, I've had enough of it. And he walks away. Rather than responding in kind, he just realizes, I can't say what I'm thinking right now. I need to walk away because I'm that upset. And to me, that was not only a wake-up call for everybody else, but I thought that was a classy move on Caleb's part, not to just blurt out whatever it was that he was thinking and decide that I am going to say what I need to say by actually not saying anything. And seeing as how Caleb always has something to say, especially sarcastic, the absence of him no longer being in that situation, him walking away, would really give people pause. And I guess we'll find out in Season 3 whether or not people learn anything from this. So we but move uh, on to, uh, citizens, with the reminder that uh, Caleb didn't really actually start out that way, we had to convince you to change his character. Because you originally had him gambling the whole thing away. You know what? I don't remember that. Because that was one of the very first things we raised, was the fact that you had Caleb being pressured into it by everybody else being totally fine with him going gambling the company on a multiplayer match. You just changed it around to where Carson was involved. Because the original draft, you had a lot more focus on people making sure Carson didn't drink. Right. But at the same time, they were totally fine with Caleb gambling. I'm remembering some of that criticism. Not how I read it, oh. but it was obviously criticism I listened to. Indeed. And then suddenly it became the best thing you did all season. So I was like, woo! <laughs> All right, least favorite character, I'll start this time. Uh, Last season, I said it was Hudson. And this season, I think I'm going to be alone when I say this. This season, my least favorite character is Gary. Awkward silence, yes, for the win? Yes, no? I was not here to tell you about that. I'm considering. considering. He's got a bag for you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give you my reasons why. I don't think Gary seems to have learned much of anything from season one. For starters, he lets Hudson get the best of him. Again, because initially, right, Gary goes in and he's talking to Hudson on the phone and it's like, you're working for me now, not the other way around. And then Hudson figures out, I'm just going to go ahead and do what you were going to do myself. And by the way, as I'm telling you I'm doing it, I've done it. As opposed to Gary saying, this is what I'm going to do or else, giving Hudson way too much time to think and way too much time to act. But moreover, Gary starts behaving towards Bella as she had done to him. Quite understandable that Gary was pissed off. But now he's telling Hudson, look, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to release this audio. And yeah, it's going to make my daughter not sound very good and it could really negatively impact her, but she was a bitch to me, so therefore she deserves it. I know you're upset, Gary, but given how close you were to your daughter, fine, there was that break. Just avoid contact, but he seems to be going out of his way to make his daughter's life miserable now, and on top of it, maybe even worst of all, he says... At least the way he's acts, he's purportedly trying to help Caleb and Carson now. Yet for one of the episodes that we cited before, he has no problem antagonizing either Caleb or Carson. Oh, I see they're having an argument. Poke, 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 and then laughing about it. Poke, 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 poke. I think the best thing he did this season was agreeing to date Riley. But really, Gary is just kind of spinning his wheels. So that's why he's my least favorite this season. Damn you, Gary. I understand that, you know, actually, when we talk about least favorite characters and having pretty much two kind of categories for ones that you love to hate because it's entertaining and fun 
and then the ones that you hate and you hate because you wish they weren't even there or you're not interested in them, then I would say that Avery is the first and Gary the latter because this seems this big ball of bitterness and just wasn't as fun and entertaining as the other characters. Have I swayed anybody else or just reaffirmed? You have brought forth an argument, but I think my least favorite character is I hate them a little bit more than you've unsettled my feelings about Gary. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Unsettling people. I agree. You, Awkward you breathing. convinced me he's a total jerk. <laughs> Why are you such a jerk, bro? Wait a minute. Ecat's convinced you that I'm a total jerk, or I've convinced you that Gary's a yes. total jerk? <laughs> There's the answer we needed. <laughs> it's not the answer you deserve, it's the answer you need. <laughs> Toss up between Gary and Hudson. I'm not sure who's the bigger douche. <laughs> oh. Notwithstanding my answer, <laughs> and being Hudson's voice performer, uh, I'm going to suggest you say Hudson. <laughs> And he's going to remove you from season three if you don't. <laughs> Annalie, least favorite. Ooh, um, I hate Avery just because I'm a woman. Um, <laughs> On behalf of all womankind, Avery, we hate you. <laughs> Damn. But Mackie is the only woman on the internet, after all. No, we're limited to only one per episode for that. One joke. Yeah, she's not the only woman in the world, Ecat. Don't be silly. <laughs> she's the only woman on the internet. That's, that's Are we it. talking from Wait, your the internet isn't the world? Now I'm really confused. <laughs> yeah, well, it is confusing, Every Uber. Yes, no sense. So. We're bringing back the turn gas. <laughs> uh, as if Bella needed another reason to hate Avery. <laughs> Continue. Um, you kind of convinced me to hate Gary, too. I'm like, yeah, I can see every single one of those points. All right, so Gary's a close second. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cloud. Uh, they're all okay. I thought that Max was getting a little mean, but other than that, everyone's pretty okay. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just go ahead and say Gary, because you've spent all that time monologuing about it. Yes! And he's a woman-stealing was... douche canoe, so... <laughs> I, was almost, true. I was almost certain that Uber was going to say every character that's not Pedro. I was tempted to, but, you know. My least favorite character would be Avery. Basically, for exactly the same reason that everybody seems to like her. She came in like a wrecking ball and sort of <laughs> messed everybody up. Her brand of evil is one that reminds me very much of a very recent event in my own personal life that consumed me. So she sort of reminded me of what happened. You're too close to home, as they say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I will say a goal of the show, even when it's painful, is for you to be able to relate to the characters and or the plot. Hopefully the characters, because I think if you can relate to the characters, then you can relate to the plot. Who hasn't settled a legal sure. dispute with a game of Civ Five? <laughs> the characters more than yeah, more than the plot itself. So uh, I'm was, sorry that brings up less than positive memories for you, Ecat. Yeah, but at least it shows it's real. That it, it's a yes. reflection of reality. We'll give it that. And okay. she also stands as a sort of opposing force to my favorite character. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably an opposing force to pretty much everybody, isn't she? 
Yeah. 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 By the end, everyone can agree they don't like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, this isn't a very smart move because if you don't have at least one ally. Well, depending on how much smarter you think you are than everybody else, you may not need the ally. <laughs> yes. Yes, she's definitely of the viewpoint that nobody is worth being an ally of any of the other characters. It's, yeah. it's not worth it's not worth her time. Yes, she recognizes that she is lost because she tried a couple of maneuvers. I thought on the fly she was thinking quite well. Oh, this didn't very well. I'll... Yeah, essentially, even though her plans haven't worked perfectly, nobody's exactly countered her or blown her cover as it is. I think they're preoccupied with other goals. Yeah, she's successfully sort of caused people to focus on each other more so than yeah. any of her own evilness. Unlike Bella, to me, who is about, I'm going to go out and conquer by taking action against people. To me, Avery is more, I'm going to instigate divide and conquer and let everybody else destroy themselves, and then I'll just pick up the pieces that are left. Yeah, I can Very, see that. Yeah. yeah Very way, acting without acting. Yeah, somebody has clearly been reading their Sun Tzu or Machiavelli, I guess. character in season two what do you think were his or her highs and lows oh let's start with uber uh he didn't have any highs they were all a bunch of lows and increasing painfulness yeah not even how he handled himself would be a high even in the face of all the uh, that's you know just sort of okay the midst of everything basically being thrown in your face i guess the other high is he and avery that's the one ex he hasn't actually had a horrible interaction with this show so Other than he throwing up in season one. But. We're not so much the sum of what we face, but how we face it, as can be said. So I thought maybe that that, hey, Shakespeare. that would be at least some high we could give him. <sighs> Jennifer? Um, I'm not sure that Avery really had any highs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she... well, you know, walking in on somebody, that was probably her best moment. Don't you think? Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't see that. It just sort of, it all spirals from there. Are you saying then that the lows were that her scheming didn't work? Well, that they didn't work, but also that they, you know, the mere existence of said schemes. Obviously, she is bad. She's so very, very bad. She's got some major issues. Yeah. She doesn't have issues. She has a subscription. (laughs) (laughs) A lifetime subscription. (laughs) DC, highs and lows for Max. At the beginning, when he beats Carson and Caleb, that's definitely a high. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the multiplayer match, even though Caleb and Carson are a team, uh, two against one, yep, Max still wins. But that's sort of a uh, really sad high, which leads me to the low. When he figures out he's played too many games and has to pay the rent. Aww. (laughs) <laughs> Which is not in the series. <laughs> I was about to say, wait a minute. What did I write this? <laughs> yeah, I had the strangest look on my face. It really does like... Shuffle off to the laser hair removal in the sky. Wait, no. <laughs> For me, the high would be when Carson told Riley off because I think he needed to stand up for his brother. And I think they needed something to kind of bond over. They've been having a lot of trouble with, you know, one more turn of a Doe contract and just all this drama. Mm-hmm. And so the, he just needed to do something where he could say, look, I'm on your side. We have troubles, but we can work together. And I think his low would be when he would uh, gamble away one more turn for this game. I agree with those. 
Mackie, highs and lows for Riley. Well, losses are being derpy enough to, hey, I'm going to sign this deal and sell my thing if they don't win. Making that kind of agreement. It's like, girl, where what brains you have go? Oh, when she said that she would sell back yeah. her shoes and Acme Smith for the price she paid for it. Which, based on the inference, apparently the value has gone up. Not down. Otherwise, the tone would be <laughs> yeah. different. <laughs> if it down, it'd be great. But <laughs> like they'd gone up and it's like, what are you doing? I don't know if it counts as a high point, but it was a really funny point in that thing in the first episode. That the told, remember if I told you about this thing about Max's laser and I could burn off something you might want to keep? And- <laughs> to uh, Caleb when yes. she, uh, yes. Because when I first read the scripts there, I just started laughing at that. <laughs> For me, Hudson, the high, was when he alerted Caleb, Carson, and Riley through Nora what Avery was planning. It was, oh my gosh, Hudson does have a redeeming feature. Who knew? He has a soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's not so secret crush on Nora. <laughs> well, he knew that by going to Nora, Caleb Carson and Riley would actually listen to what he had to say. Because he realizes, hmm, this is probably not going to be received well if it's just me. But I think another hype for him was when he opened up about his relationship with Bella. So in the episode when it was just Hudson and Bella, when he's finally being honest about his feelings, at least with respect to that. And yeah, he was direct and he was blunt and it was kind of brutal, but at least... From his way of thinking, and I think Bella needed to hear it too, it needed to be that direct and blunt, because otherwise it wasn't going to get the message across. But his lows, first off, was ever involving himself with Avery in the first place, just because he saw how he could benefit, and he got burned. But more critically, when he released the audio of Bella, I mean, first he got a copy of it from Gary, which is already creepy, without saying anything. As much as I dislike Bella, I'm surprised she didn't end the relationship right then and there, because that's pretty severe. I, I agree with that. I think yeah, that's you know what? definitely uh, her low. We should add that to the list of things we don't like about Gary. Having the recording of his daughter speaking <laughs> that way, that's just, yeah. Gross. That's messed up. Oh, and before that, Gary deciding, I'm going to play a snippet for Hudson of what I have recorded, which is of you and my daughter. I mean, to use that as leverage was, oh, out there. Kind of like what you were saying about Hudson. I think uh, Bella's low was that that audio got released at all. And the fact that Avery came in is a low for her totally. But her high is despite all of the drama and everything that she did end up still being in a relationship at the end of the season, which was surprising, I think. Uh, We didn't know if she was going to make it, but she did. So I guess for her, that's a high. Ecat, just choose a character from season two and talk about their highs and lows. Give me any character. Hmm. Any character. Yep. Which character to belittle the most? Pedro. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you talk smack about our bro, Pedro? Yeah, Pedro, come Let's at see. you. <laughs> Pedro's highs appearing. Pedro's lows not appearing more. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> that actually works. <laughs> The most interesting plot development that was the low is when the very end, like, wait, the game's over? Things all of a sudden shift the tone at the very end of the season, and it implies maybe what happened, but you're not sure. Yeah, that's and what I like, too. You kind of feel like maybe they lost, but you're not sure. And who's they? Is that Acme Smith? Because you're speaking as yeah, Bella. Yeah, I'm sorry. That Acme Smith has lost. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. And I wrote the lines, and then as the lines were being said, wanted to have it as, as expression neutral as possible. So as not to give any hint, or and even to mislead once you hear season three. What do you mean it was that? It sounded like the other. Oh, yeah, I guess it did. We should have recorded it that way, so. 
I'd say the end of season one was a bit more uplifting, a bit more of a high, because Carson's like, all right, time to go into the world of gaming and let's do something. Okay, there's some energy. Whereas this is just kind of going nowhere. It's fizzled out. Now what are we supposed to do? How many people felt it fell short of expectations? What expectations? (laughs) (laughs) How many people felt it met? It didn't exceed, but it met expectations. I think it was fine. Yeah, I I would say met expectations. I didn't know quite what to expect from it. I listened to season one, so I, I it was a little bit colored coming into season two. I think met expectations is fine. Yeah, I think it was fine as well. I, I feel like expectations were met. I expected there to be conflict with the multiplayer game, and I feel that that was there. So yeah, I would say it was met. And there was some plot twists, so maybe even exceeded. Oh. It was surprising. Yeah. It's always nice. Even exceeded in some cases. Yeah. All right. Mackie. Hmm. It goes closer to the exceed. I mean, it, it, it at least met from reading what was in there and seeing how that would turn out. Most of that met expectations and sometimes it was better. Just like certain lines and places and things came out recorded better than they were on paper. You know how that happens sometimes? Absolutely. You know, this looks good on paper, but then when somebody actually says, oh, see, now it's better. Dark Cloud. Just as she said, the recordings uh, came out even better than the text was written in a lot of places. And the biggest thing in making it exceed expectations was uh, Jordan replacing the uh, the text-to-talk thing. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that made me so happy. Yeah, that was good. That was really? I think Dark Cloud and I were the most outspoken haters of the text-to-speech guy. Yes, yes, no, you were. I think I may have actually volunteered Jordan's services for it because it made me so skeeved out. <laughs> yes, I think you did that as well. Yes. <laughs> the only thing more skeevy than Hudson, the text-to-speech guy. <laughs> <laughs> you actually went ahead of DC and Uber in the sense that you offered a solution as well. Not just, okay, this text-to-speech has got to go. By the way, I know someone that doesn't do anything. No, she didn't phrase it like that. <laughs> well, I have offered Jordan services because I like it when he reads me stories. He has a really good oh. voice for that sort of thing. And I knew that you knew his voice, Dan, because you had True. done the podcast with him. So, you know, I offered you a known quantity. This is very true. Besides, Dan, true. if either Dark Cloud or I were married to him, we would probably have recommended him, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I thought that in a lot of ways, it did exceed my expectations. And I will agree that looking at what I was seeing in the script, it was good. But it, with the twistiness, it made it more understandable for me to hear these things. You know, it's the same reason that I had whenever I was in uh, high school and college and was having to study Shakespeare. I had to read that stuff out loud. <laughs> Otherwise, it just didn't sink into my brain. So hearing the recordings done made it make more sense to me. And it literally, it came to life and jumped off the page and started to bloom more fully formed in my imagination. I thought that was pretty cool. Excellent. And I will echo in part what has been said. I would say it exceeds expectations for me because we were able to build on the momentum of season one. We were able to bring in not only a new character and have that character integrated well to the point where I feel like, oh, you might forget that this was Avery's first season, that she wasn't also in season one. And also bringing in Jordan to do the voiceovers to help with the overall product. 
I'm also happy that I was able to, once again, other than the theme song, find completely royalty-free music to include in every episode with no duplicates, although I do have to add another exception, which is the song that Carson likes to play on repeat. Those are the two exceptions, because that was purposeful. That I was also able to improve my post-production time, where it didn't take as long to get things set up and to get things to sound the way that I wanted it to sound. Still more questions maybe than answers at the end of Season 2 as opposed to Season 1. Also the reaction, and I remember you, ECAT, specifically, there better be a Season 3. <laughs> Got, not just from ECAT, although ECAT, I remember yours most specifically, because I think in your document it might have been in bold and underlined and red or some combination of those three things. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. That there better be a season three. That I got that from other voice performers as well, which, quite honestly, if you're not going to have the voice performers wanting a season three in a project where you're not getting paid, so it exceeded the expectations that, unlike Age of Nations, that is able to build on and go back to these characters and find something to do with them. The end of season one, I'll be honest. Okay, I set it up for a season two, but I had no plan. I had no outline where I thought it was going to go. And as for the end of season two, it also exceeded expectations because it got me to starting to write season three more quickly than I did starting writing season two. So what do I hope is the audience take away from one more turn season two? There was a purpose to season two, that it wasn't just a regurgitation of the same thing, that there was an arc. That the story was going somewhere, as opposed to some, and I'll use television as an example, where you could watch the episodes out of order. doesn't matter. You see very similar plots, very similar things. It's very formulaic. You know what's going to happen. You can start to predict it. That the audience feels like there's a reason for me to also want to go back and listen to the episodes again. Because I think there's something I missed the first time. Enough to not be annoyed to not want to listen, but enough to be invested enough that, what did I miss? And maybe even go back to listen to season one. That you would want to find somebody else in your real life, or at least online, that you would want to actually talk about the show with somebody. That the takeaway is that I enjoyed this show enough that I want to get more enjoyment out of it by finding someone else to talk about it with. Yeah, I'll agree with the whole formulaic thing. Certainly, even though this is a nominally a comedy, it's not a sitcom in the sense that you can't listen to things out of order and get as much out of it as you would if you went straight through the way you're supposed to. So, yeah, I would hope that the audience would take away that they want more. I think they would call this a dramedy. Yeah, I would definitely hope that we want the audience to want more. And I know what you mean about watching shows out of order and you're never lost in some shows that are like that. They're very... Right, episodic and new. Yeah. Yeah. Self-contained. Mm-hmm. I'd also expect uh, that it would further their belief that Dan loves A, drama, and B, cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that Dan has an inner teenage girl? I wasn't going to go that far, but... So your one wish for your character that you voice in season three. Let's start with the newest edition. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess my one wish sort of dovetails with the takeaway, which is that I really hope we get another season because I want to do this person more. I mean, I'd like to be able to dig in more to why is she so awful? What is her deal? 
bad characters that are just bad because bad can wear thin fairly quickly, no matter how well they're written or characterized. So I would like to see a little bit more as to why she's so bad. Is it bad all the way down? Or is there some sort of reason for her being bad? Does she have any redeeming qualities? I'd like to find that out too. Uh, I would like uh, Max to uh, continue to be an amusing and happy character. Mackie, what is your one wish for Riley in season three? Figure out exactly what's going on with her relationship with Gary, because I don't think we got much of that last season. And also, she just needs to get her crap together. Stop doing stupid things. Smart lady. Derpy. And maybe make Gary be less awful. (laughs) Yeah, that would help, too. Because then you go, why is she with this douche? (laughs) But we're still going to ask that question. Well, it did seem to be about the time that Gary got with Riley, he really started to turn into a mega jerk. I mean, it already started before Riley, but then after he got with Riley, he seemed to get worse. Yeah, that's what happens. You get the girl, and all of a sudden, everybody else is just little people nobody cares about. Just stop trying. Yeah. <laughs> Annalie, what's your one wish for Bella in season three? Um, hmm. I'm just excited to see kind of where she goes. I guess that she um, had a little more character development the second season than she did in season one. So I think it's interesting. And, and I'm interested to see what happens with Bella and Avery. They're at least speaking without yelling at each other at the end. And so kind of interesting to see what's going on there. We don't know a lot. This is true. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you hoping for more or less heavy breathing? Um. <laughs> Wait, you have to think about that. There's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering if he's asking in the contents of Avery and Bella, and that's what made me pause for just a moment. Oh, God, no. <laughs> wow. I'm in favor of that. There is a fine line between love and hate. So, uh, <laughs> my hope for Hudson hey, Hudson, you need to make this relationship with Bella work because you are better when you are with her. That's a relative term, I admit. <laughs> yes. Well, and what? I, he should be motivated to make it work because he really doesn't want her as an enemy. Okay, Uber, this time, do you actually have a wish for Caleb? I figured the end of season two, Caleb just leaves. Uh, there's nothing good in this town anymore. His two ex-girlfriends are conspiring to ruin his life. His brother constantly seems to not want him there. The girl he's got feelings for uh, basically crapped all over his feelings and now hooked up with his lawyer. So there's really no reason for him to stay. Oh. Well, it's one of those things to where he, you know, basically moves on and comes back middle of season three or something with like a lumberjack beard and, you know, actually found <laughs> himself or some weird walkabout. It would actually be kind of hot if Caleb came back with a beard, but, you know, um, I may be biased. Oh, so Avery would like to give her relationship with Caleb another try? Maybe. I think that's why she was mad in the first place, but yeah. Well, she's the one that destroyed the relationship between yeah, her and Caleb. She dumped him. Sometimes people regret what they do. This is true. Yeah, well, they were younger and stupider. I mean, you know, she actually saw Caleb slightly grow up and not act like a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. And Scott, what, what's your one wish for Carson in season three? Well, for him to get his company back on track and to fix his relationship with his brother. You know, like you said, at the end of the season two, he, Caleb storms out and then Carson does that speech to Riley. So like, I would hope that he would at least uh, get his family relations fixed. Yeah, having the microphone plugged in helps. Oh, it always does. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, it probably would help. Annalee didn't pick up again. Hmm. Was she there <laughs> typingly? I thought she typed in at the chat. Yeah, she had a couple of times. Ah, she probably just doesn't want to talk to Hudson again. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was well. <laughs> We can just be a couple on paper. We don't actually have to talk to each other. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Comment about breathing noises goes here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Windows 8. Oh, Annalie, why do you torture yourself? See, doggy agrees with me. Why do you torture yourself, Annalie? <laughs> I said Windows 8, and the dog instinctively knew had to protect their owners. So, you know. It was great timing. Don't talk to my owner like that. Erf. We're just trying to have everybody be on the call at the same time that we're expecting. <laughs> well, hold up. Let me go ahead and drop periodically nice. just for time's <laughs> sake. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try calling Annalie again. And Jordan, although Jennifer's... Uh, let's call them both. What the heck? Just because I can. Call everybody. I was going to say, hey. <laughs> the phone rang. <laughs> I thought that was you. That was hilarious. Hello? <laughs> phone in my house? What? Call everyone <laughs> under Skype contacts. Well, question four is easy because there's only one answer. Question five is also easy because there's only one answer. What, in your opinion, is the answer, Uber? The answer number four is clearly Pedro. The answer number five is clearly anybody not Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder what his answer for number six is about Lowe's. Uh, Lowe's? Uh, hmm. I don't know if he had any Lowe's in his suit. <laughs> What, Pedro? No, no, Mike. <laughs> Jordan's back, I think. Hey. Maybe. Going Maybe. On. on. Hey, guys. Um, so, hey. it's kind of working. Hang on. Okay. Okay. Got Look, you're connected. And then an echo. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, God. No, we can't hear you now at all. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, I like hearing myself, but... <laughs> I didn't know. Yes, we all know you love the sound of your own voice, Dan. And only one of us can talk at any one time. Yes, we can talk, both talk at the same time. You just have to plug in your headphones so you can hear everybody else. <laughs> did I hear like a... Yeah, I think yeah. I did too. All right, so that just leaves Annalie. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! I mean, <laughs> oh no, we might Summer actually down, get started Dan. at some point. I'm gonna step away for just a second. I have to grab the rest of my breakfast. It's two steps away. I'll be right back. Okay. She's still technically here. She just has doesn't have headphones in, so we can say anything we want about her now. Yeah. Just remember, you have to sleep. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Well, on YouTube, the commentaries actually have more views than the outtakes. Although, the <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's shocking. Really? So what our viewers are telling us is that they want more um, reality audio than character audio, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but the oh, average that's... the average time spent listening to the uh, to the commentary is only eight minutes. Oh, okay. Aww. No, I think you're right. I think it's the reality thing. So what we should do is we should offer a paid-for service where you could download the Carla video and the Hudson and Bella audio. No kidding. <laughs> oh, my God, Dan. There's no way you're going to get her to do that. <laughs> and if you're listening to the Season 2 commentary, you didn't listen to the first one, because why? Shame. <laughs> now, can we actually hear Annalie? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, <gasps> now we can. All right. So first off, hi, Annalie. So the, and, Hi. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, you see, kids, there are these things called 
in the healthcare system. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. In America. You really love Politicast, don't you, Dan? <laughs> really does. He's usually it's the best podcast Dan will never admit to wanting. Anytime you're anywhere and there's no sound, Pedro is talking. <laughs> <laughs> but she's really oh. accurate. You realize Pedro is in the middle I mean, of the Hudson Bella heavy breathing. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> so what is Pedro a mime? No, no, no. Pedro just likes to watch. So. I don't know. It was mentioned that uh, by Gary that uh, Gary and Riley have these, you know, phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's some video there. We don't know. Oh, well, he God. did leave the webcam on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, Anna Lee, I, I like that. Someone makes a reference to Dan is into this, and then all of a sudden, Anna Lee in her brain goes, no, whoa, I'm into that. you said, you said, I'm not Hudson. You brought it in. That's true, you did. So it was my reaction to the Hudson, and I was like, oh. This is this true. <laughs> That's a good save. Good save. I guess Bella will be in season three after all. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to get rid of her dad. Well, she's got me in season three. There's the wedding for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm pretty certain you still can't marry yourself because that's what Bella would do. If it was. Oh, you can't. What if she clones herself? Look, everybody has a redeeming feature. I mean, Avery's redeeming feature is that she's not in every episode. <laughs> oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> I can tell that I'm not wanted. Oh. Look, just because Dan's afraid that you're going to steal the spotlight from him. Oh, yeah, because my falsetto is to die for. Literally to die for. <laughs> no. no. I think a good segue to that is did anyone else choose Max as their favorite character from season two? And that kills the conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's make it once. I gotta tell you, I am surprised by that. The deafening silence. I'm not surprised that I stayed silent because I know my answer. Just to be clear. Age has nothing to <laughs> yep. do with this. Third person, I may be the second youngest here, which is just nine kinds of weird. <laughs> All right. Speaking of weird, Uber, who is your? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wow. I, I can't oh, really Dan. deny it. I mean, you know, the American version of Dan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Wow. Ah, well, I'm not going to get back to biology more. cast here. <laughs> and in answer to a different question, to. Oh, okay. To no, no, don't, don't do any more. Let him go find it in the editing. <laughs> the auto-tuned version of one more turn oh, I would actually pay to see that you wouldn't be seeing anything <laughs> well, that, 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 would, that would add an entire different level to the uh, the audio with the heavy breathing how many people felt it uh, didn't uh, how did I everybody this? raise your hand <laughs> what an option for? Well, yes, it was a movie. <laughs> today, back on MovieCast. <laughs> Man, how many new podcasts have we started today? All I know. Mackie, what is your one wish for Avery in season three? Wait, Avery? Let me rephrase that. Mackie, what is your... Please tell me that you were recording before the uh, commentary started, Dan. Please, please, please. Oh, absolutely. He always does. 
Yes, before the formal part of this commentary, yes, I was. Where do you think he gets all the bloopers for uh, Polycast? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of bloopers I get from Polycast for that. And is part of the Canadian NSA. So. <laughs> Dan is on the call. He is recording the audio. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes in past when we said we were going to start. I hope we can do a 30-minute commentary. <laughs> this will all be in the outtakes, right? Oh my god, my face hurts. I've been laughing too much at this. <laughs> I haven't laughed this much in a long time. <laughs> ah, thank you. Uh, uh, you're welcome. God bless uh, Dan and the rest of the back. cast for all of my endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. Music by Kevin McLeod. Visit the official One More Turn website at onemoreturn.net. Copyright Civilized Communication at sitcom.net. Commentaries are serious business. I'm just not sure how. One more turn.